Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Select Star Podcast. Hope your day is going well and thanks for tuning in. Today, we have another special guest, as we always do. We have Annie, also known on social media as Annie Bombani. Um, she is a designer and front end engineer, and we're super excited to have you today. So thanks for joining us. Hey, no worries. I'm really excited to be here, Margo. Yeah. And, and where are you joining from or where are you based out of? Because I saw you have numerous different flags on your on your social media. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm originally from Australia, but I'm currently in Toronto. Okay, very cool. So not too far from us over here in Colorado, even though it's kind of on the other side. <laughs> yes, same continent. Yep, <laughs> that's true. And what part of Australia are you from? I'm from Perth, which is basically the most isolated part of Australia. I've been yeah. trying to get back um, during COVID, but there's been a really hard border there. So it's been a little bit tough. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. That's that's hard. I know I've talked to a lot of people in the same position that are trying to go back and forth. And um, I spent some time in Australia a long time ago on, on the other side over near Sydney. And, and my husband and I were trying to go back a couple of years ago. And obviously that hasn't worked out. And I've been dying to show it to him. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully it'll start to relax at some point over the next few years here. Yeah, fingers crossed. I work remote. So one of the things that I'd love to do when I get back is actually just be in Australia for you know a month or two and just work from there yeah so that's benefit yeah that's a good idea that's um definitely one of the positives that have come from all of these people working from home now is you can kind of work from anywhere I know in Colorado mm-hmm. you know, tons of people moving up to the mountain towns people flooding oh, there because they're like if I don't have to commute into a city I might as well work from the mountainside so oh what a dream <laughs> I know <laughs> one day but um awesome well yeah other than where you are based out of right now you know we'd love to just hear a little bit about who you are um you know what you've been working on what you do now just anything you you want to share yeah, definitely. Um, so I actually graduated from a front-end focus bootcamp in summer of 2019. And before that, I was a designer in Australia and in England for several years. And then I decided to become an English teacher in Japan. Oh, Not cool. because I had a very good career plan. In fact, I didn't have a career plan. I just kind of wanted to live in Japan and experience <laughs> the um, culture there. Yeah. Yeah, but like doing that for a number of years, when I moved to Canada or to Toronto specifically after that, I really struggled to find work. I thought I could, you know, jump back into the design scene really easily, but unfortunately that was definitely not the case. So I started looking into ways of skilling up and that was when boot camps kind of came back into the, the picture because I didn't really want to do like another three-year degree. I um, have a degree in multimedia design from Australia okay and, and um I was like okay what's out there what can I do because it's really hard to get a job and I was just kind of working a few different like dead end jobs and stuff just to make ends meet and that's kind of when I found out about like you know boot camps as a like a very viable way to get into um to skilling up and I was trying to decide between UX design or front end but there was a bootcamp called Hacker U in Toronto at the time, and they had really, really good reviews. And they were also very, um, what's the word, 
like they had a lot of women in there so it felt very like accommodating so that's kind of who I ended up choosing I didn't like front-end design I mean sorry front-end development or coding before but once I gave it a go um as I got better um I started falling in love with it so oh wow that's awesome and how long did you say that boot camp was for so the boot camp was only nine weeks I actually yeah so it's really short I did a um, part-time course before with the same school just to you know dip my feet in, feet in and see if this was actually something I could do um, yeah because literally although I studied like um, web design in Australia and I did actually work in web design a lot and so I had to code a few things I really didn't want to be a developer so that was just like my way of dipping my toes in and seeing if you know, it was a good fit. And once I started getting good at it, I was like, okay, maybe I will try for the bootcamp and see where this goes. And then I was very surprised when I got accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to do it. As you said, it's better to test it out and then, you know, maybe do a bootcamp where you can learn more in a short period of time than committing to another three years or four years of your life doing um, another long study. I know everyone learns at different paces and some people mm-hmm. maybe are just doing one class at a time in the evenings or something, but I personally would probably do it the same way and just try to get as much done in a, in a short period of time as possible. And then of course you just continue learning as you go. So I think, I think that makes sense. And, um, I know you said you had a hard time finding a job in design before doing the boot camp. Did you find that a lot of times employers were requiring, either more experience or some sort of formal training or did you just kind of want to get a leg up so that you could find something quicker or how how did that search go yeah that's a really good question I think the reason I was having a lot of trouble finding work in design was because I didn't have a strong network in Toronto that I really had no network um when I was because I did work in design in Australia and in England but those experiences were from years ago. And so okay. when I kind of, did, yeah, so if that makes sense. So I think that was the main thing. And like through the bootcamp and just the last few years, like working as a developer, I really, really came to kind of understand the importance of, you know, your network and your community and that. And I didn't have that when I came to Toronto. Okay. That's, that's a good point And probably good for people to hear is that, you know, when it comes down to it, sometimes who, you know, is more important than what formal training you have or, or what your title is. I know, you know, people love to battle about, do you have mm-hmm. to have a degree to get a job? Do you have to have X to get into tech? But a lot of times, if you know the right people and can get a warm intro, that's probably most important. So yeah, that um, was a really good learning um, for me the last few years. I didn't really place a whole lot of importance on that before. But after my experiences, I was like, wow, this is huge. And I've heard of, you know, a lot of like developers who are further on in their careers going through the interview process. And some of them like barely have to interview just because someone's had such a strong recommendation of them. So yeah, it's definitely a a way to get work as you go further down your career track. Yeah, some people I think are afraid of the word networking, but mm-hmm. it means so many different things. And it's definitely important no matter what area you're in. Yeah, um, it's funny. It's like that word just automatically makes a lot of people just cringe. And I didn't like it either. So I'm always kind of thinking of it as okay, I'm just going to meet people 
that I can form a connection with somehow. Right. Because yeah, it just sounds very, I don't know, like cold and you're doing it for yeah. like a very specific purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're going up to people just shaking hands, like, can you help me get a job? Can you yeah, exactly. Job? Not like that. Hopefully at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Well, so what company are you at now and, and what kind of product do they have? Yeah, so I work at a um, startup called Pastel. This is actually my second job. Um, the first job was at a WordPress VIP agency. And oh, that was, a, yeah, that was very much a front of the front end job. I was mostly just doing HTML and CSS. Um, but at this startup right now, I am working in Next.js and in, um, you know, TypeScript, React and um, Redux and stuff. And I was actually the first employee. So... Oh, that congrats. Like, That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was like three founders and I was hired in October of 29th. Wait, it's 2022 right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, was hired, I was hired in October of 2020 okay. and as a UX and UI developer, but I'm currently the um, front end lead here. Okay. That's awesome. And, and so you were first employee. How many are there now? There's only, there's still only five of us. So we hired another, um, another person after me and we're hoping to hire a backend dev um, in the next few months, hopefully. Okay, very cool. Well, yeah, I can definitely relate a little bit to that. I've been, um, you know, in the startup, I've been with HarperDB for several years now. And before that, I was at even a smaller startup and um, oh, okay. I, I love the, love this tech startup world too. So um, I can definitely relate a little bit there. And, and so what exactly is the product at Pestel? Yeah, so Pestel is a online proofing software. And what that is, is um, it's an application to help you, you know, share, review and approve your files. So you, you build websites, right? Yeah, well, I'm not, I, a little bit, pretty okay. <laughs> dipping my toes in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So say you like built a website and you wanted to get feedback from your client or your teammates. Like what's your process for doing that? Um, we mainly just use WordPress. And so we sometimes use templates. We sometimes build our own, um, but we've been using WordPress for a while now. Mm-hmm. And then if you were to get um, clients to give you feedback on that site, how would that look like? What would that look like? You mean if we were going to have our current customers like take a look at our website for feedback? Yeah, and like approve it or say like, oh, can you change this or put a different picture? Oh, so we don't we don't build websites for other people. Um, we I thought you meant like do we work? I just was talking about building like our own website for Harper DB. Oh, right. We don't do it for other people. Okay. Um, so I was like, I was like, yeah, we have had people give us some feedback on our website before, but <laughs> we're not really in that space. What HarperDB is, you know, more on the back end side of database data management. Um, mm, we do enough. work with people in that world a lot. And a lot of times people are using different front end design tools um, mm. with like HarperDB as a back end. So we are having those conversations a lot, but yeah, um, yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, I do help build our website sometimes using WordPress, but not right. too much. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, I guess like just to go back to that, it's it's like um, well, for the UI and copy changes, a lot of what we found was, and this was um, true as a designer for me as well, for just like design, if I was to get feedback from my clients, I would have to 
they would basically, you know, like email me back and forth or you would send like screenshots and stuff. And especially for websites, maybe a client would be like, oh, there's a bug here. And you're looking at the website and there's no bug. And then it turns out the bug was on a different screen size or something. Right. Yeah. So it's like, a you know, a lot of back and forth between like teammates and clients and whatnot. So what Pastel is for is to kind of streamline that whole process. So specifically for websites, um, you can kind of imagine it as a app where you can put post-it notes on your websites and then you can have threads of conversations and then all the metadata, like your browser size and the screen size are captured. And there's a screenshot where the comment was um, was left. Oh, so cool. yeah, so it's basically like a, a proxy technology and it sits okay. on top of the websites and you can interact with it to get okay. all the feedback and everything. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yes, yeah, so you're just streamlining the whole process so that it's almost, it's if I'm understanding correctly, almost similar to working off of like a shared Google Doc or something so that people can be leaving notes for each other, doing feedback instead of having to do it via email or phone, you can kind of like work together off of the actual website. Yes, that's right. And it's okay. not like it's not like we are actually touching your website because it's a kind of like a copy of the website. And um, there's like, you don't have to install a script or anything or a browser extension either, which is a lot better for security as well. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I can see, um, you know, why you'd want to get in with a company like that at such an at such an early stage. And, um, you know, what what was it like? What's it like being at such an early stage startup? Was it kind of scary at first accepting that role as the first official employee? Um, was it really exciting? A little bit of both? Like, what's mm-hmm. your experience been with that so far? Well, it's been like really exciting. Um, I wasn't really scared because, to be honest. I was, when I first, um, by the time the CTO contacted me and they had found me through Twitter because I was sharing um, some of the work I was doing there, just like my side projects. But when they first contacted me, I was at a stage of my career where I was just feeling really stagnant technically at my skills. So I did mention that my first job was the front of the front end job. And it was really interesting because I thought that I would be really happy with a CSS heavy role because I was so comfortable with CSS like after you know the training and stuff and with design and everything but in reality after six months of that I actually got really bored like I felt like I had learned all the things that I needed to learn um, that you can learn on a job like you know working with Jira or sprints or um, project estimations and that kind of stuff and so after six months I was just feeling really scared that my logic skills and my javascript and react skills which i was not touching at all um was just like i was losing those skills so they reached out about a year and a quarter um into my first dev job around that time and i was just at a stage where i was just like really wanting to um like jump more into the things that would challenge me a bit more, which is basically JavaScript. So it really came at the right time. And financially, something that really mitigated the risk of basically joining a startup was that they were bootstrapped. So they were profitable before they hired me. And so I asked a lot of questions during the interview and they were very transparent with the numbers as well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's and that's, you know, good for you for knowing the right questions and, and things to ask up front. Um, and 
I think timing really is so important when it comes to opportunities like this. Um, so that's that's really cool. And I, I as I said, I, I love startup world as well. It's so great being able to wear a lot of different hats and be involved yes. in some different conversations. And um, it's just a great way to really expand your skills. As you said, like you were wanting to challenge yourself more and then mm-hmm. that opportunity was there. And when you're at a startup, there's no, no one has time to micromanage or check in constantly yeah. what you're doing it's kind of like you just have that trust and independence to do what you're supposed to do and if you try new things and it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world and definitely um, it's just it's kind of a cool place to be and I, I love that you did it partially to help expand your skills and, and take on more of a challenge instead of just kind of staying with what was comfortable mm-hmm. it was interesting because I had a conversation with a friend shortly after I started and we were just kind of talking about the different types of environment that you know we like working in and with a startup, there's definitely, you know, chaos there, right? Like you kind of have to be comfortable not having everything in place, especially a lot of processes, um, you know, in terms of processes, like we're still building them out as, as, as we're growing like slowly. But she was saying that she likes to know when, you know, her start time and when she finishes. Whereas I like having the flexibility of, you know, if I need to pop out for, um, you know, to do like an errand or something, I know that I can make up that time later on or something. Right. So yeah, it's like different environments for different people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, I think having that flexibility is, is really important, especially now with people working from home. Um, you know, I think like at least maybe half of our company has, ki- people have kids. I recently just had mm-hmm. a baby. And so that's definitely something that um, you see a lot more maybe in the startup world of like, hey, I got to go grab the kids from school. Um, maybe if you're out for two hours in the afternoon, you just get back on in the evening and finish up whatever you needed yeah. to. That's okay. It's like, as long as you you do what needs to get done, it's <laughs> no no one's going to be mad about it. So I, I really appreciate that part of it too. Um, yeah. On the other side, have there been any big challenges with it? Any like cons to being on a smaller team? Or if um, if people listening are considering getting into a similar position or considering moving over to a smaller company, like any tips you have for success and kind of overcoming some of those challenges? Yeah, one of the things that I was actually concerned about was um, mentorship at the beginning, because I've heard that, I don't know if this is the case, and maybe you have a few more ideas about this, but I heard that it's mostly at bigger companies that you get more formal, you know, mentorship and training. So yeah, that was something that I was concerned about. And in the interview with my CTO, I mentioned that. And it, it turned out that like we have a really great relationship where we do pairing every um, at least once a week, if not twice or more. So I do have that mentoring. Um, the other thing that I guess is a bit of a negative is because in at Pastel, me and my CTO are the only two developers. So yeah, so something that kind of came up was um, if, you know, I'm not able to, um, like, have my decisions challenge all the time or have people to talk with, like, to go through those decisions that I make. And that was something that was very different because it's like everything is kind of up to me. So, right. yeah, so that was a little bit different. And something that I've kind of done, I guess, to um, to help with that is, to get involved with a lot of communities like online or with other people so that if I have questions, I can reach out to other people, not just my CTO because he's great. And we talk about, you know, like code architecture and everything, but 
at the same time, it's the relationship between, you know, an employer and employee is always going to be a little bit different. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's always good to get that outside perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So if someone was in that case where they're working at a very small startup and they're feeling like, oh, I want to hear a different opinion or something, I would definitely encourage them to get involved with, um, like even on Twitter, if I have questions, I'm quite comfortable asking the community and I'll get a lot of different opinions that way that I can kind of shift through and, you know, think about them and make my own decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I don't know if that was like your experience working at like the startups with, with um, just having people to, you know, um, like bounce ideas back and forth a lot more, but yeah, literally it's just me and my CTO in engineering. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good idea. I was going to say, you know, there's probably like a Slack, multiple Slacks and discords and things where you can drop ideas across people. I've definitely seen people do like polls on Twitter about which of these designs do you like better or just different things mm-hmm. of like trying to get an outside perspective. And um, I know I, I being in that position before, I know sometimes it's like, you just want the validation of the one you're leaning towards. Yeah. <laughs> and other times you're like, no, I really don't know which way to go and I just need some help. And so I think that's a really good point is just make sure you build a community on the outside and don't be afraid to ask for opinions and advice um, mm-hmm. so that you're not, so you can get a different perspective. And, and I totally get that. We, we don't have quite as small of a team um, as you guys. And so I am fortunate to be able to ask, like, I can pop something by our product team or by our dev mm-hmm. team or chat with, you know, the folks on the sales marketing side. And, and we're pretty collaborative. And a lot of times we'll kind of have like one person from each of those areas in conversation so that we can get different perspectives. But at yep. the same time, um, I think most people on our team do have external mentors. I think our CTO has a friend or a mentor or whatever you'd like to call it that he meets with Mm -hmm. either once a week or every other week. I think it's like every single Wednesday um, to just kind of chat about like what he's working on from a technical perspective, what, you know, the vision for the product, the ways he's going to get there and just kind of gets, you know, an outside opinion on like the best way to get from point A to B and the best technologies to be looking at and things like that. And so I think that's um, that's always a way to advance your career and learn about new things and kind of bring ideas to your team. Um, so yeah, that it's definitely. not just the same, as you said, it's not just the same two people having the same conversations over and over. Yeah, exactly. I'm very fortunate that my CTO is very like flexible in his thinking and open to new ideas. So yeah, he throws me a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely important in the, in the tech world, I think, to to stay on your toes and be kind of flexible and ready for to try different things. Um, Mm -hmm. I know I've heard our team talk about with building our product from the ground up that it's just a game of trial and error. And you're constantly evolving and constantly fixing things and swapping out technologies and you find something that's faster and more performant and doesn't mean what you did was wrong or bad, but it's just kind of constantly evolving. (laughs) Yeah, something that I've really kind of noticed working at Pastel is that everything is just a series of experiments that we're trying and continuously iterating on. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like the, the tech that we're like experimenting with it's the processes for our team and like HR and like all sorts of things like how we position our product and it's been right. really interesting because we're such a small team that everything is very transparent and open so we all have some input on you know what's happening but at the same time um, like because we're so small like we all just handle not like super specific roles but we do have those roles where um we have to autonomously manage them if that makes sense right yeah 
yeah, it's like you kind of have to manage and balance the difference between we're all working together and wearing a lot of hats, but we still kind of need to stay in our own lane and focus on, you know, what we're here to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have you heard of the bystander effect actually in psychology? I have. I um I can't remember it very well, but I I remember hearing a story about like if someone sees that someone fell over and got hurt, you know, they're not going to call if it's out in public because they just assume that other people yeah. are going to. Yes. So I had a very interesting discussion um, with my CTO in my one-on-one -on -one a couple of weeks back about this. And so it it's like the bystander effect, you can also see that happening in companies and in management as well. So if you don't um, have clear responsibility of like, if, if a product or a item doesn't, it's not clear who holds the responsibility for that, then no one owns it. And right. you, know, you end up with conversations like, oh, I thought so-and-so was going to take care of it and stuff. And we've seen that a little bit, like, you know, the first few months or so when I joined and when, when um, our support person joined as well. So it's like, that was very interesting and kind of like, we knew, we knew that we had to have like clearer de delineation of, like responsibility so we know who's taking care of it right um, yeah and I guess like part of it is also like over communicating as well especially for remote teams you're not seeing each other face to face so if you're able to communicate and share what you're working on and have like a bias for action those were definitely things that I've learned like you know being at a startup for sure yeah yeah that's a good point I think um if you don't have some sort of system where people can see, you know, people internally can see like that you, you know, like a JIRA, for example, if people can see that you move that task along and it's assigned to you and you're working on it, that's great. But for other things, if there's no place publicly where people can see that you're handling it, then yeah, it might be like two weeks later. And then everyone's like, wait, no one, <laughs> no one went and looked at that or no one addressed that yeah. or responded to that person. And so I think that's, um, yeah, we're constantly like checking in with each other about things like that and trying to to make sure to like let people know, hey, I've hey, I've got this. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Um, that's a really good point. So I think those are really good tips, but I I love, you know, the reasons that you kind of moved into the tech startup world. I'm I'm a big fan. And I've never been at a huge, huge company. I was definitely early when I very first started my career, I was at a bigger company, but um, I've never been at like a huge multinational type of corporation. So I can't really speak as much to the comparisons there, but I do um, love the space. So I feel you on that. Yeah. It's, it's really nice to have the autonomy, like working at agency, because I get bored quite easily. I thought that I would really enjoy working on multiple projects, but something that I actually found was that once you finish a project, that project gets passed onto, you know, someone else or the next stage and you don't actually see it anymore. So it's actually really nice working at a SaaS product company where like you're still doing different things in terms of the features you're building or like the things that you're improving and refactoring in the code base. But at the same time, you're still working on the one product and you get to see it grow and mature and change over time. And that just feels really nice. I'm really enjoying that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, those are really good points you make. And Definitely just make me appreciative of where I'm at as well. So <laughs> great yeah. minds think alike, I, I guess. But so, <laughs> so what are you, what then are you kind of focusing on at the moment and like the rest of this year, both personally and, you know, at the, at the company you're at? Like, are you, do you have side projects simultaneously? Are you mainly just 
focusing on work at the moment? Like what are your main goals right now? So um, we kind of work on two month cycles where we have a goal and then we work towards it and then we we reiterate and see like our next goals after that. But I do know for the next like little while, there's like three things that I'm working on just for the code base or for work. And the first thing I'm doing, and I'm in the middle of it right now, is to introduce a design library or a UI component library so that we can build faster and reduce um, UI consistencies, inconsistencies, sorry. So at the moment, we, um, we use custom components and we kind of, um, we use SAS to like write all our CSS. And we found that because of that, it's taking a while to build things. So I'm looking into things like Tailwind UI or um, like other solutions to see how we can like basically take advantage of a pre-existing component library, bring that in and so that we can build and ship faster. So that's the first thing I'm working on. Um, the next thing that we're gonna do is um, implement some integration testing to ship our features. We don't currently have testing. I know it's like almost a, like so taboo to say that. <laughs> it's like, because, you know, in the startup world, it was just like my CTO building out everything. And it was the priority was to get like features and stuff out more than it was to just like test everything and make sure that nothing broke. But right. we're kind yeah. of, yeah. So, but we're kind of at a point now where I'm like, I, I think we should really start, you know, adding some testing, at least like some integration testing and stuff. So, after the design library, I'll be doing some integration testing stuff. And then the third thing on my plate after that is um, we're currently using old school Redux to manage our state in the app. And so something that I'd like to look into is Redux toolkit. And this will help to just simplify those Redux tasks that we do and reduce some of that boilerplate that we currently have to write. Okay. Sounds like you definitely have have your work cut out for you. You'll be pretty busy then. Yeah, there's so many things to work on. Like, yeah. like I just I just look back to my first job and within six months, you know, feel building just like site after site. And I was like, oh, this is all there is. But you know, it's been like a year and a quarter now. And I'm like, oh wow, there's just like so much things I want to do and improve on. It's right. a really good feeling. Yeah. So are you, do you do any side projects then? Are you still kind of like doing design on the side just for fun or for any like contract work? Or are you just too busy at the moment? I haven't touched like actual design work for a while, but I definitely still do projects on the side, mostly for me. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of the things that, because I have that design and illustration background, I really kind of want, I, I really enjoy creative coding. So in the past, I've done a lot of CSS art and just to, and that's actually been really helpful, just bettering my CSS skills because you learn how to use gradients in different ways. So my cat just walked past the- um, Oh, no worries. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you learn how to use like gradients in different ways. And SVGs is something that I'm also very personally interested in as well. So there's definitely some stuff um, that I like to you know, learn more in the SVG world. Um, there's also in terms of just like content creation and stuff, I really like explaining things um, in a, like using analogies. So something I did recently was explain the um, CSS box model with a illustrated analogy of basically a person, the, your body is the content, your padding is 
is the coat, the border is the um, like your silhouette with the coat on, and then your your margin is your personal space. Um, cool. Yeah, so I kind of like thinking about those kind of things and how like other kind of like technical concepts with like CSS or JavaScript or HTML and SVGs that I can illustrate that way. It's just kind of helps me to think about things in a different way and see if I can help people to understand those things a bit better. Because I know like for me, I struggled a lot learning JavaScript especially and anything that can help make someone else's journey a bit easier. I'm keen to try and might help that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really cool. I, um, you know, that's one of my favorite things about being in the tech community is just seeing how many resources are out there and how eager people are to share their knowledge in different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's like through analogy or doodling or making videos or whatever it may be, there's like so many different mediums to learn now. And, it's just really cool seeing people that are so passionate about it that they're going to like take their extra time out of their day to create something to help the community instead of just, you know, the second they log out of work, like going and, you know, putting every, closing their computer, putting everything on the side. They're like, well, I'm going to take some of my time to help people by creating this content that I've learned a lot about. I think that's so cool. And I get to meet really cool people in that space constantly, just kind of being in like the content creation space and connecting with people like you. And um, it's, it's just kind of this, when everyone's working remote right now, it's kind of this way of, I think, making people feel a little more unified. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) And I think as well, doing those kind of things, when you share your learnings and um, you know, whether you blog about it or draw about it, that helps you as well to solidify those concepts as you're learning. So, you know, you're helping others, but you are helping yourself as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, you're almost kind of building up your own mini like portfolio or online repertoire for if you ever are looking for a job or something in the future, those are, definitely. you know, that, that shouldn't be like your sole motive, but it's definitely a, a, a bonus of like, Hey, this company's looking and they saw how knowledgeable you are on these topics and that you wrote about it and really showed that. And so um, mm-hmm. definitely never a waste of time. <laughs> Yeah. And to your point about sharing work and just meeting really extraordinary people, like that's definitely been a highlight of, you know, sharing stuff on Twitter is that I've been very fortunate to meet like people basically who are a lot more experienced and more skilled than I am personally. And to be able to kind of get their viewpoints and takes on things has been very immensely helpful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I think there's been kind of a, a common theme with most people I talk to of like, don't be afraid to find your community. And mm-hmm. if you're kind of an introvert and you don't want to like put your world out there on social media and Twitter, that's okay. You can still ask questions on Stack Overflow or like respond to people's blogs and, and stuff yeah. like that. You don't have to like post pictures and post updates. Um, there's yeah. lots of different ways to do it. Definitely. So, very cool. Well, um, well, awesome. So I know you talked a lot about are, you know, you already mentioned kind of what your focus is on for this year and projects you're working on. Um, in addition to that, are there any like other tools or softwares or frameworks that you've heard about that you want to learn more about that like you're putting on the back burner or that you're curious about? I know a lot of people right now are talking about like learning more about Web3 and decentralization. Oh, yeah. And there's like, so I was on maternity leave for a couple months and came back and all of a sudden that was like the main buzzword I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> so just curious, like if there's anything like that where you just kind of have it on your radar to, to learn more about at some point. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's just this forever long list of things that you can learn in programming and development. Right. So yeah, right. So as much as possible, I do try to learn what I need to complete the task at hand. But I have heard like not just Web3, but I've have heard like a lot of people talking about Remix, which is a new open source React framework. I haven't quite dwelled a lot into it. Um, it seems very similar to Next, like that's my current impression of it. And so for now, it's just like, it's on the back burner, I know of it. And then in terms of Web3, I've definitely dived a little bit into it. I'm Web3 curious, like there's still <laughs> so much work in you know Web2 that I'm not ready to make the shift into Web3, like, you know, exactly. Right. But it definitely is interesting. And I'm just kind of withholding my opinions on like NFTs, for example, because I'm not quite sure how I feel about them. Like, I feel like they definitely are on one hand, there's a lot of potential for them and they help a lot of people like artists, um, whether visual artists or music musicians and stuff um, to get their work out there and actually to be able to monetize those. But at the same time, I'm thinking about the environmental impact of actually like what it costs to be able to mint a NFT as well. So right. there's just like a lot of different things um, that goes on in the space. And a lot of people still think that it's really scammy and everything. So yeah, yeah. just a lot to think about. Yeah, I think it's it's like that with any new big craze or technology or idea or anything that comes out where, um, you know, a lot of people are really quick to, I guess I would say jump on the bandwagon for lack of a better statement, mm -hmm. but but yeah, there's always going to be potential drawbacks and pros and cons. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important, no matter what position you're in, to just be considering both sides of that before mm -hmm. like jumping into something. And so I think it's pretty safe to kind of say that you're staying on a neutral stance with some of the stuff and wait to see how <laughs> some of it irons out. Cause I've seen some pretty heated debates on, oh, on yeah. topics like that, uh, which is always, you know, it's all fun. And it, it's actually pretty educational for me to be reading about people debating and kind of sharing their opinions on both sides. For sure. Um, for sure. I think that's the case in just programming in general as well. Like if you start building a new application it's like which framework do I use do I use yeah. this? it's like everything has their pros and cons right it's just like yeah. what, what's the problem that you're trying to solve and which two is best for that one yeah so, I like know I feel people like, love to post like this is the right tech stack yeah. there's no right or wrong it depends on what type of data you're working with what's your project like what's mm -hmm. your goal your timeline and kind of funny but <laughs> when I was studying I remember there was a lot of like hate on jQuery but okay. if you think of it right and but if you think about it like jQuery was specifically developed to solve the problem of like cross-browser functionality and everything so I was like it has its place right and it was still very very popular until like a bit more recently I suppose so yeah <laughs> yeah there's always going to be both sides <laughs> for sure Awesome. Well, well, hey, thank you so, so much for taking time on our podcast today. I know, I know you're quite busy and um, really appreciate it. And I've, I've loved following you on Twitter. Is there, if people are listening, is there like any other communities or places to find you or find your work or keep in touch? Um, or I can just kind of make sure that people have your, the link to your Twitter in the show notes. Yeah, so definitely Twitter is probably the main place I share updates and everything. I am also on Polywork as well, which is a alternative to LinkedIn where 
I share updates of like of things that I'm doing. And I think I probably work is good because things don't get lost the same way that things get lost in Twitter over okay, time. Cool. So yeah. That's another one. Um, and I would say that I write on Hashnode as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to put those links in the, in the show notes and um, really appreciate you taking the time today. And thanks everyone for listening to select star. Um, Stay tuned for some more awesome conversations. Thanks. Thanks for listening to select star your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places. Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.